आई वी एम Welcome to Absolutely Right, a show that celebrates and decodes minds of some amazing achievers. I'm your host Aditi Sarana. I'm a graphologist and a high performance coach. Our guest today is Manju Sara Rajan, also known as MSR, who is a journalist, editor, and arts manager based in Kerala. She is presently the editor in chief of BeautifulHomes.com, India's largest design and decor content platform, presented by Asian Paints. Before moving to Kerala in 2015, Manju was the founding editor of Architectural Digest, which definitely has set new benchmarks for the coverage of design in India. She was the former CEO of the Kochi Biennale Foundation, where she oversaw the management of Kochi Mizoram Biennale 2016. In today's episode, we will discuss why did Manju decide to move to Kerala at the peak of her thriving career? What does she do to be resilient in her way of working? and which stroke in her as well as your writing speaks about creativity spontaneity and inconsistency we all have felt some game changing aha moments that bring in tremendous clarity but very few people have gathered courage to act on those moments manju's willingness to walk off the beaten path open new doors for her let's hear her story from her perspective she'll join us on the other side of this short break stay tuned Hello, everybody. Welcome to another awesome week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Intel. So, Justine Royal came on Storytellers and Storytellers this week with Vinith. It was a really interesting conversation. Do definitely check that out. Hamsuni Hariran is back on the Prakriti Podcast after an extended absence. Hamsuni was one of the original hosts along with Pravin, but she was unable to continue. But we're glad to have her back. She's talking about her experiences since she left. She's been studying in China. Definitely check that out. You'll enjoy that. On Pulia Bazi, they discuss the revolution of 1857 as seen from contemporary eyes. Definitely give that a shout. I think you'll love that as well. Abhijit Ganguly was on Cyrus Says a couple of weeks ago, and he had such a great time, and we were so happy to have him on that we asked him to join us for Cock and Bull, and he was on this week. Do check that out. And lastly, I'd like to mention our Tamil show. We've been doing a show called Kadai Podcast Ponyan Seven, hosted by Kavita Jiva. She has been phenomenal. She's reared in the stories in a way which really, you know, they speak to a modern audience. But Ponyan Seven is over, and she has started a new story though. The new story that she started is Sivakamyan Sabatham. I'm sure I mangled that pronunciation, and I'm sure you'll love it if you're a Tamil speaker. Do definitely check it out. And with that, let's get you onto your show. Hi, Manju. Very, very excited to have you on the show, and I'm so curious to know about your work with art, with your, you know, professional work, and your journey as a parent. Welcome to Absolutely Right. Thank you so much for having me, Aditi. It's so exciting to be here. So, will you please tell me before we go and talk about your career? Please tell me about your journey to Kerala and the decision to move from Bombay uh, in the middle of or rather at the peak of your career and choosing to make this, you know, really off-beaten choice. Uh, how how did that come about? Where did that thought uh, germinate from? Um, so, I am from Kerala, but I didn't grow up here. I grew up um, like a lot of uh, Keralaites in in the Middle East. Um, but some years before my kids were born, uh, we had decided that we would have a holiday home here, and so we had started constructing this house. And then my kids were born, um, you know, and. Then what happened was I became an editor of um, Architectural Digest just about a few months, a few weeks actually, before I learned that I was also going to have twins. My God! So yeah, so it was pretty much like having three children at the same time within a six-month period, um, and then. Um, Around twenty twenty fourteen, um, we started, you know, bringing my kids to Kerala to the house that we were building and spending time here. And all through the time that they were born and early days of the magazine, I had spent. I think I had pretty much worked nonstop, and you know, as a lot of working mothers, you, the moment you step out of the house, you feel guilty. The moment you step back into the house, you feel guilty about something else. Um, 
And so I spent all my time, you know, sort of at night, a week with the kids, then getting up in the morning, going to work. Um, and then there was a point in 2014, I distinctly remember when I, I saw my kids sort of running around in the grass in, in, uh, in our house. And I, it was like sort of this aha moment, like, why don't I just move? And, uh, you know, but it took me, it took me a more than a year from that idea to actually get the guts to really resign because you, know, you told me the story it, yesterday and I'm still getting goosebumps as we are talking about it because I, I can totally understand the gravity of the situation because for a mother who is professionally so invested and then you know having kids and I know so many women who do not uh, have the courage to make such choices though they have the aha moments well, I mean, I think it's a, I, I, I would say that I, I was lucky enough to one, um, you know, have a choice. Um, and in some sense that the career that I, I loved my job, um, I was the editor of a very, you know, important design magazine. It was a matter of great respect and completely identified with who I am and what, what I had spent um, at that point almost. I think about almost 10 years working. Mm -hmm. But when I weighed up everything and I thought, well, the the only thing stopping me from taking a jump is really fear. Mm -hmm. The fear of what will happen, what will I do? Um, I always consider an income very fundamental, even if it's a small income, very fundamental to to my uh, existence. Um, And so I thought, well, you know, then you have to sort of to prioritize. And at that time, I thought, well, if I miss this chance right now, Mm -hmm. then there's really very little potential of me being able to grasp that time back. Um, With the kids, but also giving that experience to them at that age, um, you know, so I thought that, well, if if I can gather up the courage, and like I said, it took me a year, because the number one question in my mind, and I wrote about this as well, was that when somebody says, what do you do? Um, what am I going to say? Am I going to say, and, and of course, I mean, being a stay-at-home mom and working with kids is an enormously tiring and really, really, really difficult job, but it is not one that um, that I had ever seen myself doing. My mother worked throughout um, her career, so I, I thought, what am I going to say? Uh, who are you know? What do you do? <laughs> it's like, well, I used to be. Uh, <laughs> I am the XXXXX uh, of, of XXX things. So that took me a long time to to gather up the courage, and I also was very lucky. Um, you know, I worked at Condonast, and uh, Alex Gurbala was the MD of Condonast was also a dear friend of mine and he was very uh very supportive and so he said okay you know you go and you be the editor at large and you see what happens and and um if you like it and can you can you are you okay and so it 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 was a terribly hard decision and I remember the early days of being here I was just utterly lost and um, I was making flower arrangements (laughs) 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 taking videos of my kids running around and every time my son threw a tantrum I'd be you know I'd be like oh my god what have I done why am I here I have nowhere to go my clothes are all redundant Uh, I I have I have no events to go to anymore Uh, so (laughs) it was it was really, it was really, uh, it was really difficult. But like I said, there was, you know, sometimes you have this, this, this idea and it takes over as, as takes over your head as a, as a great idea. And it doesn't often happen, but when you, when it, when you get it, I mean, even for myself, I don't think I've had that many, many times, but, but it got me and it felt like it was the right thing to do and we'll see what happens um and and yeah i mean I, and that is literally that is literally what happened but like i said i took it took me a whole year to gather up the courage to say 
to to my team and to my to my boss and to say okay you know i i want to do this and gather up the and i i read and i researched and i you know i listened to interviews of other women <laughs> who worked and um and i there there's nothing i mean there's nothing you can completely prepare but but in front of me is this idea that it was the right thing to do like it's a good idea yeah. like you know that sense that this is a good idea um was was consistently there and so i just um and i yeah and i i i went and at this point you should write about working from home and the hacks of that because all of us have these work <laughs> situations that had and and you are five years ahead of the curve for sure so after looking at it after five years what do you think like what is the experience now when you look back um so that's you know that's exactly what i uh, what i was saying at, at the at the beginning when you're when you're out of uh out of the sort of professional framework that uh, a city gives you um you have to in some ways um you have to be open to all sorts of possibilities sure. um you could say that it's not it's 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 not going to be the precise thing that you thought you were going to do um but at the same time you have to be able to say well what am i going to lose i'm going to i'm going to try it out and see if it if it works so for me the last 5 years has consistently every single year it has been um an exploration in the possibilities of saying yes to so, things so what all projects so, have you done what all has you done? um so the first thing that so i moved in 2015 and was well, the first thing that came came through the only the only major event taking place in kerala um at an international scale a major event was the kochi biennale and the the founders of the kochi biennale were both people that i knew at the time and um you know and art has i i covered art as a journalist covered and managed a gallery for a while so mm-hmm. art had always been something that i was on a on a management side um very much interested in so the first thing that i had done when i moved in addition to to sort of uh, being editor at large and and writing was to go and meet them and see you know is there something that we can i can do and i can help and we had done i'd done a lot of um not fundraising but a lot of revenue generating um models that we had ideated for my brand when i was in bombay so that was something that you know the commercial side was also something that i was very interested in so the first thing i did was really go and see them and see is there something possible <laughs> the office is two and a half hours away from where i live <laughs> but i i in my head i thought okay you know what i'll i'll be here and then i can work um and it's entirely possible so i first so they were quite keen and so the first project i took on was to become the communications head for nice. the kochi biennale um but the kochi biennale is fairly a very kind of you know it has the ethos of a college festival so you pretty much you can do how much ever you wish to do or very little if you don't wish to do anything so um but for me because i had relationships in bombay i was able to sort of structure sponsorship deals and and things like that um so very quickly after that they offered me the position of the ceo of the foundation um largely i think because of fundraising capacity <laughs> rather than anything you know and and i and i, I and i love working with people and oh. and you know being able to work with them in a way that you care not just about the 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 event but you also care about the people who actually organize it so that was the first major um so first is sort of in that communications role and then as a head of management role that was sort of the 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 first big thing that kind of happened and that was a good um 3 years of of the last 5 years mm-hmm. and um but and i left in uh, middle of 2018 and spent then spent again this sort of time of oh what do i do where <laughs> should i go what should i be you know the possibilities are endless but <laughs> 
um it, so i and while i was sort of i i had wanted i've always believed that kerala's got a great deal of interesting stories to tell sure. that the contemporary that contemporary kerala is not about houseboats and uh, palm trees and <laughs> coconuts <laughs> that there's a lot of design and art mm-hmm. and you know literature um and really a very very intelligent very smart population of people especially individuals who have returned from somewhere uh people who set up small businesses as design houses fashion and i always felt that those stories were really important to tell that beyond just the tourism segment um so i a friend of mine and i um set up something called the kerala.com which mm-hmm. was a um a media it was intended to be a media entity we ended up shooting a bunch of stories but just as we were sort of in the process of producing it um i um had uh, a call from from asian paints for through a friend of mine who worked there and who i dealt with for many years at that point um and they had uh, a website a design website called beautifulhomes.com which he thought that i could um edit even though i was located in kerala mm-hmm. um and one of the th- one of the things that I, i always felt was lacking when i was say in the luxury lifestyle segment yeah. was that your readership is tiny yeah. right um and you're essentially talking to people who already know to some extent sure. um and who are not necessarily uh, interested in as much about you know who are interested in hiring the right people more often than not so what was interesting about beautifulhomes.com was that the readership is was was vast and it was a readership that was very interested in design from a from a practical standpoint how do i do my own space or how do i learn so about a something different approach altogether yes a completely different approach it was advice it was education it was learning it was um you know diy so for me that was something that i was very very uh, interested in because it was much wider mm-hmm. and because even with the biennale that was that was part of what i loved about it it wasn't about just a few collectors buying a few pieces of art mm-hmm. it was about the public at large learning about how and all of us learning about how art and design is a part of everyday life mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's the choices we make so i thought that was a very interesting um, you know that was a very interesting thing and to be able to sit here and continue to do it so early last year i um, i took that on and when i took that on the the media i mean what i wanted to do with sort of telling stories in kerala that obviously took uh, oh, a backseat um and so for the last year and um, year and a few months now um it's been beautifulhomes.com and i've also set up a serviced villa which is a cottage that uh, mm-hmm. i run on our property here with um an independent cottage which is called anugraha anugrahakerala.com it's a website that we've got with the details on it um uh, yeah so those have been the two sort of major things in the last one year and uh, at the moment like i said i'm i just we're just about going to get started on a on a book wow. um which is also um which is 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 really also focused on kerala um thank you so <laughs> so yeah so every year uh, you know has been has been um a sort of a a different uh, different trajectory the opportunities that have come up from you know the left and the right and the top and the bottom and not in the ways that i thought and you never thought uh, so many opportunities will come your way when you yeah you know, no i i don't think at all i think the I, you know i think the technology I, <laughs> has uh has really really changed changed that mm-hmm. uh, the ability to stay connected um and to be able to feel like you're still part of the larger conversation because the the fact of the matter is and i realized is only once i moved out of bombay um you know the media because our english language media is largely based in um in bombay or at best in delhi right. most of the stories we end up telling most of the things that we cover um end up being in delhi and bombay mm-hmm. um right i mean you could be a small cupcake maker in bombay but i would have read about you sitting sure. here 
but I could do the same thing here. You'll never read about that person over that's there, true, even though I can't buy your cupcakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though these are hyper local, you will still um, things that happen in Delhi and Bombay sort of have get this impression of of national significance, um, largely because of the kind of coverage that they get from from the media. So I never thought that moving here would end up being in any form. I thought it was definitely a pause, um, and I thought that I would have to figure out what 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 uh, what one would do. Um, in fact, a lot of I remember a lot of my friends stop would say to me, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm calling you in the afternoon. I know it's it's in the middle of lunch time and post lunch time." <laughs> You know, I don't go to sleep just because I go to <laughs> I don't fall asleep every day after lunch. Uh, so there's a lot of those kinds of. There were a lot of those kinds of ideas about what it meant. So uh, I, I'm curious to, to know about what were the challenges of this decision. Like, what uh, did you face? Any stigma? Did you realize that there are you know people who are still not accepting you in the position that you are? or somebody who's, who does not belong to the space that you are now in? Um, no, I mean, I would say that in terms of my work, um, there's been absolutely, uh, I like I, you know, it, when I took on the, uh, when I took on the editorial role at uh, beautifulhomes.com last year, I definitely felt extremely <laughs> grateful that, wow, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting all the way here, so I would keep coming to Bombay uh, at least twice a month. But of course, the world has now changed, sure. right? So it's it's completely different. But I would have to say that in terms of the opportunities I've had, being away from Bombay has has definitely actually given me um, a tremendous impetus in my career rather than the opposite. Rather, the challenges are of living in Kerala itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because Kerala is a very conservative place. It is a place where you have this real um, contradiction between the way women are educated, but at the same time, what is perceived as their place in in, in society. Um, well, like I said, I mean, you would you uh, Kerala has one of the highest rates of educated unemployment among women in the country. Okay. Um, and uh, my friends and I sometimes joke we have some of the most well-educated, tut- you know, tuition teachers, which are really mothers because mothers, women are highly, highly, highly educated, but very often um, they are forced to stop working. Okay. After they have kids, um, either because the opportunities are not there or because household activities naturally fall into your lap and mm. it is difficult to manage. Right. Um, and very often the expectation is that the woman will manage. And, and um, so you find very few women in high positions of power where especially if it's not a family owned organization. Um, so when I worked at the Biennale, that was a big, uh, challenge for me because, you know, I would inevitably, I would get a question if I was in a meeting and sometimes in the middle of a meeting, somebody would say, so where are you from? You know, who's your husband? What does he do? You know, so those kinds of, so getting adjusting to life in a smaller place, whether it's in terms of just getting all sorts of people to listen to you to get um to be i'm not a very um i mean i'm not someone who's very loud Mm -hmm. i'm not uh i'm not very uh you know forceful um i i tend to be somebody who believes in communicating something and getting people to work with you um but i'm not you know so for me getting everyone together and to and to work in a in in the spirit of a team especially with such a large team initially that was a big challenge um and in general in kerala there tends to be some people will always be on the lookout for a man who can give them an, <laughs> give them a piece of direction <laughs> as opposed to a woman um so those were challenging um you know and it is like i said it's a very conservative it's a very conservative place and you can either there are only two ways you can you can take it you can either sort of conform to it 
um, or you can you can not conform to it. But how you do that, um, you can either be angry about it or you can have a sense of humor about it. Um, I choose to have a sense of humor about it because I find it all a little bit a little bit funny sometimes. Um, but but that for me the biggest challenge really was of living here sure. um and being able to you know in care in bombay when you live in bombay when you live in a city you have a certain sense of anonymity mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know people don't care and especially place like bombay you know no one cares whether your hair is short your hair is long whether you have a tattoo you don't have a tattoo whereas um i know that when i go out into and i live in a village uh, you know <laughs> it could be like oh what Where are you from? Where are you doing? Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> and I, especially that's I'm, so uncomfortable for somebody who has yeah, never heard that. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, the, those are very uncomfortable questions. Uh, and so initially, um, of of being able to kind of, and I'm not somebody who likes to attract attention in that sense, but I am also comfortable in. I, I like me to be a particular way, but sure. it's not. in order to attract any attention so it makes me really uncomfortable um so i found that very um i found that very uncomfortable um i remember when i first moved here and it was just me and my kids and if something went wrong in the house someone my we have one or two guys here and they would call my husband sitting in bombay to tell him that something had gone wrong and they wouldn't tell me yeah. <laughs> you know and i'd be the last to be like why didn't you just come yeah, yeah. but you know we we told sir so like okay all right fine <laughs> so very, are, very interesting to know because you know we in my mind even after having traveled to uh, kochi for the for the exhibition and otherwise you know i felt uh, kerala is one place which is little more progressive towards women compared to other states but this is very interesting to hear it from your perspective um well it is it is progressive like i said it's progressive in terms of education it is progressive in terms of you know women uh, you will find female doctors you will find female engineers you in in professions you will find them um but it in terms of society's understanding of what roles are you have to take time for them to get used to it Mm-hmm. but 5 years on i mean i think it's 5 um, years on i'm very i'm very comfortable mm-hmm. but i think initially for me that was that was really the bigger bigger challenge mm-hmm. so on the note of challenge i want to move to our next segment where i will look at your handwriting and over to you what questions would you like me to answer based on your writing um well i'm like i was uh, you know earlier saying i think um, i'm always intrigued by by change and i've been told many of very often that um you know that i'm always sort of um i'm very flexible and 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 i don't know whether it has been said in the nice way or bad way um i wonder what what my what my handwriting says about me in that in that sense about um you know the Im- image of or the way that i would like to see myself as somebody who sits and with one craft or one capability and then hones it bit by bit over 25 30 years <laughs> is not how my career has gone <laughs> it has always been uh taking opportunities and working with it and making sure that you you use it to develop yourself and your cv so i wonder what uh, what my my um what my handwriting can tell me about about that sure, sure. i um, think that's a great question uh, let's look at this okay so in your writing your handwriting when you start uh, tilting it it tilts a lot towards the right side of your page now we call it in graphology the term is used as a slant so it moves towards the right slant now anybody even for our listeners anybody who writes with a slant tilting mode so if it is 90 degree perpendicular to your uh, ruled line it's one one way of writing straight but from there in your case you move a lot towards the right side of the page now what does that mean a simplest thing about writing and connecting it to your choices that brings in lot of uh, impulsive behavior that brings in lot of curiosity 
constantly interacting i would use the word flirting with the ideas so if you're not flirting with ideas and if you're repetitively doing the same thing like the japanese noodle maker you are mentioning <laughs> it is very difficult for you to be intellectually engaged in that activity so it has to surprise you if it is growing if the same thing mundane thing if it is growing it is surprising you if you are learning from the same recipe you're there you will absolutely give your best to move deeper into it and you know find your own expression through it but if it is not growing with you it becomes a challenge and let me take that note and add a little uh, different kind of layer to this now if you are exploring an area a topic a concept now the exploration is about challenging a norm challenging the basis on which this is built and when you do that for you that experimenting is the most important area of your work you know if you are doing something and if you are not adding value for you the idea of adding value is trying something different and taking the performance to the next level and it comes with its own challenges because you have to question yourself all the time and that's difficult and you have gone through multiple multiple journeys this is like a drastic one that everybody could look at that you moved from bombay to kerala but this is not the first one you literally picked up concepts and you gave your 100% to see whether that's the concept i want to live with whether i really want to be this kind of a person but you do not borrow ideas and make them yours without trying and testing them so that also comes yeah i have always i i've always had this idea that um, you know some people write stories about others and some people are a story and to me the the notion of not of staying within the same uh comfortable zone that you begin with and you just stay there and don't kind of you know um uh, if you use that analogy of of like a a rubber band <laughs> you know sort of stretch yourself to as far as you can go um for me personally that's something that i would i would like um but it's that it's that contradiction right that idea of one staying somewhere and just doing the same thing over and over again but really well or but at the same time of of moving away so you it's a it's a constant kind of trying to figure out which one or is it okay to, is it okay to be both so when you i feel yes you are exploring yes you are trying new things but i do see your favorite thing that we are talking about consistency at the at the base of it you're consistently questioning the norms you're consistently trying things differently now there is this different form of consistency it might not look like the the monotonous robotic way of doing the same thing over and over again which we understand as our ideas right we feel people who are consistent they show up they do the same thing over and over again but it takes creative consistency to be in the process to go through the churn over and over again because what i'm trying to say is it is tough to constantly put yourself through those you know different explorations and question things because we love to settle down and one of the things that you yeah. can identify with is you don't like to settle down the very moment you feel that you are feeling settled you like okay oh my god how can that happen you start feeling that my life is going through some crisis and then you start start you know like in a way breaking oh away from whatever you think is stopping you in your writing there's one particular stroke which speaks about flow of thoughts so it's a connected stroke and it really allows you to express whatever you have to say verbally or in writing you know in a really artistic way and you're not doing it now it always happened even from childhood you wanted every time you tried articulating your thoughts they shaped uh, they took their own shape and you pretty much took notes and you you told those things to people and there's a it's a very seamless flow in the way you connect unrelated things and i think that has always helped you in every career that you just described every choice that you made but i wonder then how that 
compares to this notion of, uh, you know, sort of imposter syndrome, because one of the things that does happen, I suppose, when you get opportunities to do things and you are, you know, in some form or some aspect of that is something that you haven't done before and you're plunged right into the heart of it and you're doing it. One of the things that comes up is, should I really be in the middle of this? And should I, do I belong here? Am I able to do it? Um, And I wonder how you think about how, these two things or how you deal with that um, while at the same time um, executing the task that you have been given, even if it doesn't resemble the five other tasks you did before. So because you're constantly chasing the challenging points in your career and in your life. So what you do is you literally take these newer challenges and you let's look at your work in your life and I'm doing that with an idea that this would allow you or help you look at your future decisions. So when you look at how you stopped yourself in the middle of really flourishing project or flourishing career growth and you said wait a minute what am I contributing here? What can I really do that other people cannot do or how can I make this game even more meaningful? Not challenging but meaningful. Now for somebody to do that you really have to know what all you have to gather. You have to know that the, your willingness, it can't be your capacity because when you get into situations you have no clue about in many, many cases. So you walk in and it's okay, I'm going to figure things out. So then you start collecting information and people to deliver upon what you have in mind. So I feel the pattern is similar, no matter whether it's parenting, whether it is about the career choices or it's about the way even you are figuring out your space while working with people around you. All of this follows the same you know, pattern underneath. Now, what you're referring to is uh, what I see in your writing. And I'm going to say this as is, is the imposter syndrome. In so many places where you feel that you are ready to take that jump, you want to take, you know, do things, a part of you, and I think it comes from... Uh, somebody or some authority questioning you for being a woman, for being who you are, for wherever the questioning comes. And I've seen this with many, many successful people. Even Michelle Obama said that my imposter syndrome shows up one fine day and you know it, it keeps coming back. Even if I work at it, it keeps coming back. So I, I would really request you to look at it for what it is. Because if the doubtful thoughts are coming to you only as a matter of habit or only because they were implanted, by the society that we belong to or people around us, knowingly or unknowingly, those norms stay. So you may say to the other people or men that, of course, I'm in the position of authority and that is easier to deal with. But if that same thought comes from within and you say, am I, should I be in the position of authority? Should I be even doing this? Now, that could happen at any level. It is expressed as guilt, it is expressed as self-doubt, it is expressed as not allowing yourself to do what you believe in. Now, at whatever degree that you find that, I think it is worth giving a thought for sure. Well, I, I often find that um, when it does come up or when you have that level of self-doubt, the thing that has um, sometimes helped is to go in doing the homework. Mm-hmm. And doing the research and having all your data points with you and have, being able to, 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 you know, do that background work so that you're well armed, as it were, to defeat, uh, defeat doubts. But it entirely obviously depends on when that's it. And even, in, even when it comes to parenting, that mm-hmm. is something that, you know, mm-hmm. parents are always, um, if you really think about it, you're always doubting whether the things that you do are, are, are right and whether it, it works. I mean, you know, it, it, you're constantly racked by that sense of doubt oh. about capacity and, and, and the decisions that you make. So... I suppose you have to defeat it with whatever is suitable to that particular moment. And, and also along with that, uh, the another aspect that I feel that you use most of the time is your tremendous grit to go through the process. You would not leave the situation unless until you feel you're not done. So even if it is uncomfortable, even if it is not giving you the kind of recognition or validation of your own idea, if you think you still have energy left to give your best shot, you will go ahead and do it. 
I think that has been an important aspect of your career growth for sure. That you have not left any stone unturned according to you. Other people may think anything, but you haven't done that for sure in your mind. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that um, I often say to my kids as well. That you know, you might not be able to always get it right. but you need to know that you've tried you've tried hard and you've tried and you've um and you've not you you've not given up yep. and not not tried um because it's it's to me even if the end result doesn't really work to know that i've stuck with it and put my head down and i've coped and um you know gave it my all is is something that's enormously important to me and it's i think hard work also can go a long way even if you're not superbly lucky or superbly you know not all of us are born geniuses but hard work can take us a lot further than than um geniusness even so that is something that i think is yeah putting putting your nose to the stone and just keeping at it and getting it done um as best you can is really important actually i the next question which is the last part of our conversation uh was about your failures and i think you already answered a part of it but uh which was your favorite failure and what did you do to deal with it so hard work is one thing that we have already spoken about well i think when i um, you know i mean what you define as sort of failure can often also just be so different in different cases right when i think about the move to kerala um sometimes i think what is should i should i have stayed um is is it failure at that point to say no i'm going to choose this over the over the other um you know is is, is so it depends really on the way you on the way you perceive it and the way we think about it um so that was one thing that i realized um also because when you are in that doubt of am i right making the right choice am i giving up is it giving up or is it trying something new i mean it's the same decision but it just it's just a completely different way of thinking about it um that was something that i realized also that okay you you can put a positive spin on it and you can think about it like this but somebody else can see it in a completely different form um in terms of I, and I, that has that that has that same contradiction is there pretty much for many many things in my mind in some form i've always also thought oh you know um is entrepreneurship something that i would like to try but then i think oh well i don't think i'm a very good entrepreneur <laughs> cuz i i've always loved the structure of places um and to fit into the structure so i mean when i think about my career i don't know if it's a precise failure as such but i think you could look at different points of it whether it is also give, uh, leaving my position at the kochi biennale foundation which was an extremely difficult decision but it was also it came at a point where i felt that i had done everything i could to sort out an extremely difficult um organization that was sort of that had become very used to behaving in a certain manner um and i decided that at that time that um no i've done the best i can do here and mm-hmm. if i continue to keep trying and kind of pushing my head against the wall um you know what am i going to achieve and what is that again taking away from from my life and you can see again that is that again giving up or is it making a decision for yourself um but one thing that i've um you know when i consider that and when i look back um i always think that well you did you want give it everything that you could have given it mm-hmm. um did you did you try everything that you could try did you did you leave it in a better position than you found it mm-hmm. um you know and that i can say 100% yes right so, so your own understanding about your best shot at the situation yeah and and also and also really about leaving it 
never leave anything for me when i think never leave something when it's at its worst mm-hmm. um you know leave it in a better way and i and i remember when because of the challenges of that job and of, you know you and, and raising funds and all of that and there were many times in that process where things were so difficult that i could have said no i don't want to do it it's it's this is like really bad and i'm going to do it but i wanted to get it to a place where there was money in the bank where there was you know things were paid for things were done so i could say i'm leaving but i'm leaving now when things are better i have settled matters i have settled the matters that i was responsible for sure. um and things are better than when i found it um and then you go so don't 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 flee when the house is on fire you know um is 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 the is the way that i kind of think about it so failure it it can always be looked at in different ways but um like i said it i've learned something from every every situation um and i in all fairness when i think about some of those situations when you are in the middle of the situation it just really is very difficult yes. um but i'm extremely extremely glad that those things happened and and like i said it's that i when i think about it it's okay did you give it your best shot and if the answer is yes my last question to you is do you have any mantra any quote any you know slogan that you you remind yourself of when you're dealing with your tough phases yeah so so on my arm is a you can't see it on this but this is a it's a saying in i i love the hebrew script so it's in hebrew i hope it's been written in the right way i don't know <laughs> i don't read hebrew but it's a saying uh, this too shall pass and um many people say oh point in time so much yeah well but the thing is you know i like to always point out that i i don't mean for it in times of bad but i also mean for it in times of good um because one of the one of the ways you are able to capture the moment um is to remember that one of the ways to enjoy this conversation for me is to remember that mm-hmm. right um the mom- the the moments with my kids um to to be able to say well you know a 4 year old's joke is a great joke because you have experienced that one one on one and to not look back and reminisce over something that i wasn't able to experience so it's a to, so it's not just the bad times but also the good times to know that it will pass and so you capture capture it and you you know uh, sit in the middle of it and really allow yourself to enjoy it um because it will go um and people will come and people will go and things will happen but it it for me this has some this is something that i've um, for the given the experiences of my life this is something that i've believed in a lot when you have love you lose love when you uh, go through bad experiences and you get through it um and i think of myself as someone who has has really like 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 a little cockroach you know <laughs> just sort of put something up and just gone through and kept at it um, let me tell you cockroach is one of the most resilient insects exactly, ever ever exactly, yeah exactly exactly resilient you know stay you're small but you're resilient and you you're fast um and so that's how i think of myself and it is and so that ability to say okay don't get caught up in the pain um you know it will it will go you will you will get through it um i'm also a big vipassana uh, follower and i um, and that is the thing that you you learn in vipassana that whatever you feel don't capture it and just hold on to it because it's very it's very temporary um and it will it will leave you uh momentarily so you just have to wait for the moment to pass that's such a beautiful way to you know go about life everything that you do and i believe that also allows you to be completely present in the moment of everything that you're doing that's wonderful thank you so much for being on this show thank you so much for the conversation and i can't wait to read your book all the best yeah. on your journey as an author
Thank you so much, Aditi. It was um, it was so um, enlightening, and it's such an interesting conversation. And anything that helps one think about oneself in the context of something large is always interesting. So thank you, thank you for doing this and spending time considering other people. I think that's a really lovely, lovely, lovely task. I think that's so, life. I'm so glad I get to do this. I'm so excited. I'm so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the journey of just exploring other people for our listeners yeah. because, you know, you don't get to do that otherwise. So that's like an insider view. Thank you. Thank you. If you could relate to the conversation about imposter syndrome, then make sure that you listen to the absolutely right episode number 60, where I spoke about five ways to deal with it. Writer Jodi Pickall said, the human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you would ever believe at first glance. So resilience is the key. Resilience is one's ability to bounce back from life's disappointments, failures, pain, as well as the ability to deal with new situations, challenges, in short, the new normal. We do not have much control over what life throws at us, but we can choose how to deal with our situations in a different way. On our Friday episode, let's talk about what can you do to be more resilient on your path. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Absolutely Right. Please review, comment and share this podcast with anybody who can get benefited by these conversations. Also send me your questions on my Instagram handle at Aditi Surana. For this entire month of October, we are doing a special awareness drive around calmness called Kama Sutra with Aditi Surana. Every day for 12 minutes, I do a handwriting-based meditation process on Instagram Live. All the details are mentioned on aditisurana.com slash kamasutra, C-A-L-M. If you like this podcast, then don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let's connect on Friday. Till then, happy writing. Beta, did you know 79% of all scientists in NASA are Indian only? Dekho, India mein tax sirf middle class bharti hai. Everyone is just enjoying free yaar. Aajkal ke youngsters are only interested in partying and enjoying. Unko desh ki padi hi nahi hai. Beta, tum bas shadi kar lo. Uske baad to you can enjoy life like anything. I will tell you what this country needs. This country needs 15 years of dictatorship. That is the only, the only way to become a superpower. See the Chinese, how much they've progressed. Suno, tumne ye WhatsApp forward dekha. So what's common between all of these statements? They're all absolutely rubbish. Fake WhatsApp forwards that spread like wildfire. And statements that defy any logic. They are here to debunk them all. Where your family WhatsApp groups? Worst nightmare. Where what happens when you read a book? Basically, we're just a bunch of guys who want to cut through the bullshit of everyone saying this, how it won't be true. So that the next time someone confidently squeezes out some WhatsApp or Twitter BS, you can look them dead in the eye and go, Uncle... Please sit. So join me, Joel. And me, Tushar. Every Mondays for a fresh new episode of Uncle, Please Sit. Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli, Don Bradman and now Cyrus Brocha. Okay, probably not in the right company. I mean, Don Bradman is Australian. But it's called Cyrus Says. A wonderful show about everything. Find the show on the IVM Podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.